Hello, church. It is so great to be with you today. I hope that all of the moms out there had a great Mother's Day last week and that you felt celebrated because you are. We love you. Moms, we're so grateful for everything you do for us. I was able to socially distance visit my parents on Sunday. I dropped off my mom's gift and I thought that I would pick her up her favorite Starbucks drink on the way there. Uh, Cochrane only has one Starbucks with a drive through so I got in line with, I think, everybody else in town. And after about 15 minutes of waiting and moving about two feet forward, a car cut me off in the line. So I took a deep breath and I prayed for peace and patience and I decided to just do the mobile pickup order instead. So I drove around to the front of the store, I put the order in my phone and I waited about 10 minutes. And when I went to the door to pick up the drinks, uh, the barista approaches me and with some trepidation in her eyes, she tells me that they're out of the syrup they needed to make my mom's drink. Not a big deal, I just ordered a different one. They got it out really quickly. And as an added bonus, the car that cut me off was still in the drive-thru line on the way out. So be extra kind to everyone right now, but be especially kind to your moms and your baristas because they're both working really hard and they're all they're doing a great job. So we're going to jump right in. Our text today is Acts 1 verses 1 to 11. Uh, I'll pray and then we'll read together. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, a weekend with incredible weather. I pray that we can enjoy it, um, have some quality time with our family and our loved ones. Uh, as we go into your word today, God, please help us to be listening to what you are saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Acts 1, starting in verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. I was quite excited to find out that I would be speaking today from the book of Acts because it is one of my favorite books of the Bible to read. The story of Saul's conversion in chapter 9 was one of the first stories I remember hearing about when I was learning about the Christian faith as a teenager. I was amazed that a man who hunted down Christians could be changed so radically that he would become an author 
of parts of the Bible. The transformations in this book are one of the reasons I love it. We see large-scale world transformations as thousands of people start believing in Christ and join the church. But we also get to see the intimate and personal changes in people like Saul or the Ethiopian eunuch. And I think the book of Acts can remind us of the transformation of our own hearts that happens when we surrender fully to God. So if you haven't read Acts before or it's been a while, I encourage you to give it a read through, especially as we're nearing Pentecost. So Acts is a sequel to the book of Luke. It picks up right where Luke ends off. After Jesus was resurrected, he spent 40 days appearing to his disciples. If we were those disciples right now, we might be just going about our days, but expecting Jesus to show up and show us the holes in his hands or tell us to throw our nets on the other side of the boat. Jesus spent these 40 days preparing his disciples for the beginning of the early church and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. We read in John 21 that Jesus tells Peter to feed his sheep, take care of his flock. And in Matthew 28, the disciples received the Great Commission, which you might have heard before. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he was getting them ready for when he would return to the Father in heaven. He was getting them ready to be his messengers. But he doesn't send them out to the world right away. Verse 4 says, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. First, they had to go back to Jerusalem because this is where it all starts. And then we can see this, you can see this progress through the book of Acts. Uh, it starts in Jerusalem, and then later they start to spread the gospel in Judea and Samaria, and then beyond, all the way to the end of the earth. This is where churches get the model of local, national, and international missions. Jerusalem, Calgary, Judea and Samaria, Canada, and the world. But before they could do that, they needed to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you've been baptized in water, think back to that experience now. Mine was November 2016. It was overwhelming, but in the very best way. It was at a huge church. There was lights and sounds, and I knew there were hundreds of people watching. But when I was baptized, I was so aware of the water surrounding me, representing the washing away of my sin. It's only a moment. You're only under the water for a second, but... God allowed me to slow that moment down and really take it all in. And the breath I took after coming back up was like my first real breath. And you can hear everyone clapping and cheering for this declaration of your faith. It was such a powerful moment. How much more amazing then is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is promised to us. If water can give us such a feeling of new life and being washed clean by the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will make a change in us that is almost unrecognizable. Verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? 
The disciples knew that this moment was the end of an era. They had the living, resurrected Son of God in their presence, and they knew that the world was about to change. At this time, the Romans ruled Judea, and the Jewish people were awaiting the restoration of Israel's sovereignty. They thought that this might be it, and that Jesus was sending them back to Jerusalem so they could get ready for when Jesus was going to drive out the Roman armies. So they asked him, is it time? And Jesus doesn't answer that question. Instead, he says in verse 7, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Jesus isn't saying if Israel's resurrection is going to happen now or later. He's saying that they just don't need to know. There is a but. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The disciples here weren't being snubbed. It isn't like when you would ask your parents a question and get the answer, you'll understand when you're older. It's very unsatisfying. Jesus is telling his disciples that they don't need to know times and seasons, but they are going to have the power of the Holy Spirit. The word power here is later used to mean speaking boldly and performing miracles. Same thing that Jesus did when he was here. The time drawing near to the disciples was about so much more than political upheaval or a military event. It was about more than their nation's status or whose face was on the coin. This was a worldwide, eternal change, and they will have the living God, the Holy Spirit, within them. And they would have the power to be messengers of the very word of God to the entire world. This time last year, I was working as an education assistant at a middle school. It was actually the same middle school that I went to, and I got to work with some of the staff who were my teachers. We won't talk about just how long they've been working there. And I loved that job. I was only there for five months filling in, but the relationships I built with students were incredibly meaningful. The staff were great people to work with, and I loved being part of a team that worked so hard to make school a safe place for every kid. So last September, I reapplied for the contract position at the same school. But I don't actually have the right education for the position, and the school board decided not to rehire me. Honestly, I was heartbroken. I grieved the loss of that job, the loss of relationships for a long time. I couldn't believe that this perfect job hadn't worked out because I thought I was going to be there for years. I thought this might be a career for me. My friend and coworker from the school, who is also a believer, just told me that God had something better for me. She had a word. That was the truth I clung to for several months until I found out that she was right because that's when I joined you here at First Church. I expected something great for my life and I didn't get it because God had something even greater. The disciples did not get the great thing they had been hoping for. In fact, they were about to face more persecution and oppression than they had before. 
And their hope for a sovereign Israel wasn't unimportant or foolish. We also hope for great things, right? We ask God for healing. We ask God for financial stability. We ask God for peace and guidance. We pray that this virus would disappear so we can go back to work and see our loved ones. Our needs and our dreams are all important to God and he wants us to ask and bring everything to him. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, By prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. But sometimes God answers our prayers with a gentle reminder that we don't need to know right now. That's not something I like to hear. I personally feel the most secure when I can plan for the future. And I feel that especially these days. I don't know when I can hug my parents. I don't know when I can travel. I don't know when we'll be able to gather here in person again. And often I don't know what the next step is. But I do know that God is working and he has a greater plan than I can ever expect. And I know that the Holy Spirit lives within me and because of him, I don't need all of the answers. He has empowered me to do his work. The next scene uh, is kind of fun to think about. Verses 9 to 11 says, When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand staring into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now imagine you're one of these disciples. You've just spent several years learning from the Son of God, the Messiah, only to see your beloved Jesus crucified. But then, Jesus was resurrected. Then he appears to you over a time of 40 days, often when you're not expecting him to. Now, as you're talking to him, he ascends into heaven on a cloud. Can you imagine? I don't know how long the disciples stood there for. Might have been a second, might have been an hour. But if I were one of them, I would probably also need a minute to stare into heaven and let my brain catch up to my eyes. And I also wonder what else the disciples would have been feeling at that moment. Maybe fear? or sadness, it might feel like they've just lost Jesus all over again. Or were they standing there waiting for him to come back? But two of God's angels appear and remind the disciples that this is Jesus. You know him. He told you he'd be going back to the Father. He also tells you he'll be coming back. And I think the angels were also sent at that moment to pull the disciples out of their shock. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit and be Christ's witness to the entire world. Why are you standing there? You've got work to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get overwhelmed, I feel like the disciples standing there, staring into heaven. I stand there and stare because I'm waiting for God to do something. I'm waiting for him to fix it. I'm waiting for him to give me an answer especially right now. It's easy to write off this time in our lives as something we just have to get through 
until real life happens again. But I've been asking God to help me be more present in my circumstances because life is not on pause. This day, this year is part of God's plan. And because he has chosen to include us in his plan, we've got some work to do. It's okay to feel sad and scared and angry and grief and everything else we're experiencing right now. But if you're a believer, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead also lives in you. He alone can bring us peace and comfort. Trust in God and he will be with you. We've been called to be witnesses to the world. And right now that probably doesn't mean mission trips or outreach days. Right now, it might mean mowing your neighbor's lawn, praying with your kids before bed, delivering groceries, encouraging a friend, calling your grandparents. When we serve the people that God has placed in front of us, we are witnesses. We have the power to do God's work here, in your homes, in the grocery store, wherever you may be today. We don't need to wait until life happens again. I said I wondered what the disciples were feeling when Jesus ascended into heaven, but we find out, actually, at the end of the book of Luke, it says that after Jesus was carried up into heaven, the disciples worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. That is my encouragement to you and my prayer for us today, that we would go with great joy because we know that God is with us now and forever. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to be with us. Please, God, fill us afresh this week as we go. Help us to remember that you are with us and that you have empowered us to do your work. We are your hands and your feet, God. Please place people in front of us that we need to talk to or serve. God, let us remember the power that you have given us this week. We feel like laying down until the day's over. God, help us. Help us to know who we are in you. I ask for a safe and healthy long weekend for everyone. I ask for good family time so that we would be able to come back next week refreshed and ready to go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.